About a month ago, we started this series entitled Practices in the Presence of God. It's a series devoted to helping us develop better habits of discernment and awareness of God's presence in our everyday lives. Our lead minister, Troy Nelson, he began the series by challenging us to trust in God and embrace single-mindedness, living with God at the forefront of our minds. He continued this theme in the weeks ahead, providing us with avenues of reflection, such as the prayer of examine, which I hope that that was helpful for you. And he also just asked us to simply meditate on the life of Jesus, just to open up the gospels, read through the life of Jesus, seeing the things that he did and that he taught to help us become better people. These practices are meant to remind us not just who we are, but whose we are. Something that is especially important in these trying times that we are in today. The last two weeks, our youth and family minister, Wes Hayescamp, guided us through the importance of our training, reminding us that we do not need to have a perfect track record when it comes to spiritual practices. We will fail often, and that's, that's true. That's, that's very much a fact. We will fail often, but we must not forget that we walk with King Jesus, who is perfection. Overcoming our failures is possible because of his spirit living in us. And now that brings us to our text today. If you'd like to open up your Bible or your Bible app to Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, this is where we're going to be today. And if you'd like, just read the passage along with me. Therefore, brothers, sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, as this is your spiritual act of worship, your reasonable service towards God. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can test and approve or discern the will of God, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now it's interesting, perhaps divinely inspired, that my time to preach would fall on this text. These two verses are what I consider my life verses, the two lines of scripture that I have meditated on more than any other scripture in the Bible since becoming a Christian eight years ago. This text has truly transformed my life and it drives my single mindedness, my long obedience in the same direction, as Eugene Peterson would say. But what is it about these verses that move me into active thought? And how might these verses help you continue to press on or maybe even take that first step on the journey of a thousand miles? Well, submission is the first idea that comes to mind when I hear this text. I think it's safe to say that relinquishing control is difficult for most people. I mean, just look at how a face mask, a little face mask that you put on your face is dividing us. One simple adjustment is made to our livelihood and the pot boils over. Now I get it, this small courtesy to others was instituted during an already volcanic season, one that is erupting with self-proclaimed medical experts, satirical insights that hit too close to home, and a never-ending array of Snopes fact checks. It's difficult to find the voice of truth within so much noise, especially when we are too stubborn to listen. I'm reminded of Elijah's encounter with God in 1 Kings 19. Maybe you remember this story. I had the pleasure of hearing my good friend Josh Akabe from College Heights Christian Church down the road preach on 1 Kings for a retreat last year, and he helped me see something in this story, something that I believe can help us find God's voice in a sea of noise. So let's take a look at 1 Kings 
Suddenly, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of armies, but the Israelites have abandoned your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are looking for me to take my life. And then he, God, said, Go out and stand out on the mountain in the Lord's presence. At that moment, the Lord passed by. A great and mighty wind was tearing at the mountains and was shattering cliffs before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a voice. A soft whisper. A thin silence, as some translations say. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Did you miss it? Because Elijah did. Before the mighty wind, before the earthquake, before the fire, even before the soft whisper, the Lord passed by. The Lord passed by. My friend Josh left us with this thought. Elijah was so caught up in finding God in the miraculous that he missed God in the mundane. Elijah was so caught up in finding God in the miraculous that he missed God in the mundane. And this is true of us as well. Maybe we find it hard to submit because it's boring. It's just simply boring to submit. There's nothing fun about going against our natural inclinations. There's nothing exciting about letting someone win an argument. And there doesn't seem to be anything constructive about halting life as we know it because of a virus. But there is. When we are stripped of our comforts and forced to examine, renewal begins. I hear that again. When we are stripped of our comforts and forced to examine, renewal begins. When we stop contributing to the noise, when we observe the mercies of God in our life and sacrifice our preferences, and that's really hard to do. I'm not saying that this is an easy thing, but when we do that, the whisper of the Lord is near. Don't let him pass you by. Now where submission starts, Renewal begins, and renewal is the next idea I'd like to touch on this morning. Over the years, I have been working on self-awareness as a practice in my life. And this practice has allowed me to see many positive things about who I have become. But it does, it's also forced me to deal with some deep wounds. Wounds that, when not kept in check, lead me to a depressive slump that is very difficult for me to crawl out of. The Enneagram which I'm sure a lot of you are very familiar with. And if you're not, you can just go search Enneagram on Google and you will find a plethora of information. So good luck in that journey. <laughs> but it has been a very helpful and a very great resource for observing myself and understanding the reason behind why I do the things that I do. Or maybe better put, why I don't do the things that I should be doing. <laughs> Christopher Huritz, uh, he's, he's been a leading voice for the Enneagram for some time now. In his recently released book entitled The Enneagram of Belonging, he states, If we can't self-observe, then we can't self-correct. We are doing ourselves great harm by rejecting and refusing to learn from all the parts of ourselves that we dislike the most, even the parts we perceive or we perceive are flawed. It all belongs. 
Hear that again. It all belongs. Heritz took a dose of his own medicine after writing this book, and he expressed to the public the part of himself that he disliked the most. After revealing that he, as a married man, failed to maintain suitable boundaries in some of his friendships with women, his publisher pulled all of his books, and he is now forced to deal with the public consequences of his actions. And although it was difficult to face this dragon in his life, he now has the opportunity to self-correct, to put away the destructive patterns of this world and be transformed by the renewal of his mind. And if Hertz embraces this opportunity, he will be living out the second part of the great commandment, able to love his neighbor well because he chose to love himself. Now you're probably asking yourself, Jeremiah, how, how can you make such bold claims over this man's life? You don't even, you probably don't even know. And you're right. I don't, I don't know this man. All I know is, you know, the information that has come out recently about his mishaps, but something simpler happened in my story. You see, after high school, my wife and I graduated in 2006, we moved to Kansas city to kind of start a new life together. I'm originally from that area and I have friends and I wanted to go move up there, be close to them. And I also wanted to join a band. I wanted to be a rock star. That was like my only goal in life was to be in a band and tour and just, and do that for a living. And so Megan came along for the ride. Uh, she actually was the photographer for our band too. So, you know, she had uh, a role in that as well, which was fantastic. But both of us didn't really have a foundation in Christ. And that led to some very difficult things. <clears throat> Megan grew up in the church, but she never really made her faith her own. She had that foundation, but she never really leaned on it. And me, I did not grow up in the church at all. I did not have a faith background, so I didn't have that foundation. And I didn't have uh, the mentality of being that, you know, spiritual head of the house or, you know, just trying to to make Jesus a center point in our, in our relationship. And that really hurt a lot of things moving forward. Um, one instance is when she left uh, for a week uh, to go visit family and there was a coworker that invited me over for a party. And so I decided to take advantage of that and I indulged way too much that evening and I ended up becoming unfaithful to my wife in our second year of marriage. And it's, it's a very difficult thing to talk about, um, but the story gets better. Not having Jesus in my life, I believed that all of my accomplishments were of my own volition. I became so comfortable, so proud of who I had become, that I became complacent. And when we, when we become complacent, we see no need for a savior. And it's at this point where our dragons become unbound. And so there's my dragon. It was, it was this lust dragon that came out and it took advantage of the situation. I became unfaithful to my wife but the story gets better. We had a, a tour plan, my band, um, to go talk to a record label. And, and as we were going that way, the band broke up, we got in a big fight. And at this point I, I had told Megan to leave. I didn't want to face the reality of the situation. I just wanted her to get out. And so I was still pursuing my selfish dreams of becoming a rock star. And so those dreams fell apart. My marriage fell apart. My dreams fell apart after we got in a big fight on the road. And, uh, I just became really depressed and it was really hard to get out of that hole. Um, 
but having that brief interaction with, with the church in high school, I knew that prayer was an option. And so I went out on the back of the and I just looked up at the sky and I found a star, <laughs> wished upon a star, if you will. And I just said, God, please help me. Please help me. I'm a dumb boy. I made a big mistake. Please help me. And it was honestly through that prayer where God just started putting all the pieces in my life back together. I asked my wife for forgiveness and she forgave me. And I moved in with her and her parents for a really awkward year after that to just work on our relationship. We were going through some marriage counseling. We got some good footing and God just kept guiding us through his path that he had already predestined for me. And I just had no idea. I had no idea what was going to happen, but we met a couple who asked us to be in a small group with them through College Heights, and it was in that small group where I met a man who asked me to be a part of a Bible study, and it was Acts 4.13 when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were common, uneducated people. They were astonished and realized that they had been with Jesus, and it was that Acts study, it was that scripture in Acts that made me realize, yeah, like I need to be bold. I need to let people see that I and change that I'm not the person I used to be, that I have been resurrected with Christ. It's a hard story to tell, but the story always gets better. Always gets better when we have Jesus in it. And you know, I could, I could boast of all my accomplishments up until this point. You know, I've done so much in my life and I'm so grateful for all those opportunities. Uh, I'm so grateful for the way that Jesus has transformed me and he's renewed me into the person that I am today. And just all that has come along with that. And I could just take so much pride in the person that I have become. But ultimately, it's not about who we've become, but who we are becoming. It's not about who we've become, but who we are becoming. Max Lucado is quoted saying, God loves us just the way we are, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. God loves the person that you are today. Believe that. And everything that comes along with that person. But he has so much more in store for you. Lean into him and embrace change. Trust that his ways are greater than yours. Church, it all belongs. It all belongs. As difficult and messy the mishaps of life are, they belong. Nothing is too far from redemption. King Jesus proved this through his death. His blood spilled out for our transgressions and through his resurrection, showing us that renewal is possible. Jesus understands our messiness well because he was also human for a time. But it is through his great divine act on that cross that we now have the opportunity to submit and be renewed. Because renewal always starts with submission. I don't know what dragons you bring with you today. But I know a big reason why our dragons come alive is because we forget who God says we are. Remember that writing utensil and sticky note that I asked you to grab earlier? Let's get those out now. On one note, write something that you would like to offer to God this morning. The only way a wound can heal is if it is exposed to the air. So let's expose our dragons so that they start to have less of a grip on us. Once you have written some things, tear it up into a bunch of pieces and throw it outside in the wind and take it to a creek, let it flow downstream or safely, I'm saying safely, light it on fire as a way to give this dragon or these dragons to God. Now on the second note, 
write down an affirmation from the list on the screen and stick it on your clothing over your heart. Place it in a spot where you will see it often. Recite it daily. Submit to this truth and allow it to transform your mind so that you may be able to discern the will of God, his good, pleasing, and perfect will.